Howdy, y'all, and welcome to the Cyber Ranch Podcast. Alan Alford here, and what I'm about to present you with is a show that was recorded live at the Cybersecurity Marketing Society Conference in the end of 2023 in Austin, Texas. I went down there to visit some friends and uh, to catch up with some folks in the industry. And uh, the challenge I have for you listeners, all of my folks who work in cybersecurity, most of whom are practitioners, many of whom are CISOs, uh, the, the challenge question is, what do you have in common with a CMO? And what types of conflicts and issues might arise in your career that might arise in their career? And what is some good advice on how to reconcile and deal with those? All of these questions and more are answered in my conversation with Tom LaDuke. He's the CMO over at Sempris. Uh, disclaimer, I am on the advisory board at Sempris. Uh, this is not a Sempris-sponsored show. Uh, Tom happened to be at the show, and he's a great guy and a smart guy. And I grabbed him and said, let's hop on the mic and have a conversation about CMOing. Uh, I tried to keep it as... Uh, purposeful and, and general as possible and not just make it a CMO conversation, which is why we got on the thread of conflict and how to resolve it, how it might arise. What are the differences in a startup versus a more established business mindset when it comes to conflict? What about people having jurisdictional disputes, territory wars, this kind of thing? We cover a lot of these topics and more. It's a great show. Without further ado, here is Tom and I having a live chat at the Cyber Marketing Con 2023. Welcome to the Cyber Ranch Podcast, recorded under the big blue skies of Texas, where one CISO explores the cybersecurity landscape with the help of friends and experts. Here's your host, Alan Alford, President and CISO at Alan Alford Consulting. Howdy, y'all, and welcome to the Cyber Ranch Podcast live at the... Cyber Marketing Conference in Austin, Texas. Doesn't sound as good when I do it. (laughs) (laughs) Live in Austin, Texas, 2023, December. Uh, We're coming to an end of the year, and I wanted to do a special show here. Uh, Way back when on the show, I had two CMOs on the show. I had uh, Julie from, um, at the time, she was at Attack IQ. Oh, yeah. And I had Nathan from Axonius. And I had them on the show and referred to them as my two favorite CMOs. Well, since then, I now have another favorite CMO. Uh, this is Tom LaDuke over at Sempris. Um, I'm going to give you a brief bio here. So first of all, he's been with Sempris for five years now, which in startup terms is like, That's you're a, like an antique. Dude. long time, yeah. You're a dinosaur. You're, you're, yep. Where's your cane? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Five years at a startup is crazy. So scaled the team from 1 to 40 plus, including the SDR program. Uh, he has done category design, building something that is not just better, but different. So on this show all the time, I pick on people that call themselves disruptors and aren't, uh, Tom has made an actual career out of disrupting, like literally having to battle with Gartner to go, nah, dude, we're this whole new thing. Check out what we do. We're different from what you're used to. We need a new category, getting that category category created. And we'll have a Gartner story later in the show. Uh, and previously what that means is Tom was with, uh, who got acquired by FireEye, who got acquired by Manny and who got acquired by Google. Uh, and before Veriden, you were uh, at Secure Onyx, uh, the pioneers of UABA on next-gen sims. So, that's right. All right, look at that, disrupting all across the board, category making. So that's Tom LaDuke. Tom, thank you for coming on back thank you. to the it's, ranch. It's an honor to be on. All right, so le- the, the topic for the show today, we, we kind of, Tom and I were talking about this, that conflict arises, right? Conflict happens in our careers. And we're both leaders, obviously with very different skill sets and different uh, different duties. But, you know, C-suite leaders talking about conflict, we thought we'd kind of start from there. Um, getting in front of conflict will be one of the topics we get into. Um, addressing specific conflict will be one of the topics. So we're just going to dive in and kind of share some stories. Sound good? Sounds great. All right. So let's talk about 
uh, early stage versus later stage, first of all, because you've done it all. Um, yeah. Sempris was we when you started, and now you guys are pretty darn big. Um, Veridin, Securonics, you, you've been in these various sizes and shapes of startups. So in the early stages, to me, it seems like everybody wears multiple hats, everybody overlaps with everybody, and everyone's kind of used to that. Like territory wars don't much arise in the early, early stages because everyone's just too busy trying to get it all done, and you know that seems to me... To, to be the trend with the smaller shops I've worked in. But then as you get bigger, territories start to get defined, and uh, change, which is very prevalent in the little stages, becomes much more challenging in the later stages because, you know, you can't just... You can, you can snap your finger and turn a PT cruiser around. You can't snap your finger and turn a battleship around without, you know, people falling off the deck, right? Correct. So, so talk to me about those kinds of conflicts. You've been a CMO through all that journey. You've been through the small and the large. And talk to me about the potential conflict points that arise in those two different hmm. sizes there. Yeah, that's, that's a good question. So I, I guess if I look back, so with Sempris and Veridin, you know, the stage I joined, you know, first first marketing role mm-hmm. uh, in both scenarios. So, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of that comes with properly setting expectations. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, of what is achievable in yeah. a certain amount of time and, yeah. and what is not. And that's the same for CISOs. Yep, yep. And um, also, I, I think a lot of it is time management and resource management. So you want to figure out what's going to have, you know, the, the biggest bang for your buck. And you're not always going to agree. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so what I found, especially in those early stages, is fail fast. I'm a big fan of experimenting. So if you, you know, if you have a founder or CRO or whoever that you're going to be working with, it's important to take their ideas, even if you don't agree with them, and mm-hmm. try things out. Because whatever company you're stepping into, you know, you, you better believe that the founder especially knows a good bit about this market already and about their solution and, and <laughs> Might probably know a knows a, a, a bit more than you. <laughs> so if they've got a messaging idea or a marketing campaign or whatever, try it out. Right. It's important though to, you know, define what success looks like right. and be able to quickly pivot and try out a lot of iterations. I mean, in the early stage, and I, I, I love the early stage because I, you get yeah. to really... You, you get to get tactical in a lot of ways and get your hands dirty in a lot of different areas, but also you, you step outside of that and, 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 you know, there's a strategy to it, but you really get to dig in and roll up your sleeves, which yeah. is just fun. Yeah. Right. So I think in the early stages, it's all about experimenting, failing fast, breaking stuff. Yeah. And you might see something work for a little while and then you have to throw it out and start again. Yeah. And really documenting that journey. So the folks that you, you hire on Why don't we, replicate yeah. your mistakes. And, yes. and, and you, you really document the pitfalls and, and also the successes. That's um, brilliant. So that, that's in the early stage. And again, I love the early stage. Yeah. Love and hate, kind of, because sure, sure, you sure, don't sure. get a lot of sleep. I've done it a couple of times now. Now, later stage, and I guess you might call that in, in our world a scale-up stage, mm-hmm. right? It's very different. So, but it's important to keep your, your startup mentality DNA, Yes. but do it in a way that's not going to, to use your word, disrupt your org. Now that you have very defined channels, you have very defined processes, you have all of these lessons learned that you've Mm -hmm. now implemented and you have a streamlined machine. How do you how do you scale that while also continuing to innovate in whatever your discipline is in? In my case, of course, marketing. 
So you have to be very, very particular about whose idea you take now, even if it is the founder CEO, yeah. even if it is the CRO. Yeah, yeah, Again, yeah. going back to the expectation setting, timelines have changed. To implement a, a huge pivot or new idea right. is going to take more time. Right. And the potential negative outcome is, is greater. You really risk taking things off course. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. what I would always suggest is have an incubator. When you have a larger team, figure out a way where you can have an innovation in a sandbox and have an, an incubator, whether that's a certain group of sellers that have been on for a long time, or maybe it's an internal group that you just have a, a monthly session with, and, and the rule is you have to propose bad ideas, you know, no judgment zone, whatever right, it is, right. have a self-contained sort of innovation hub, yeah. and then roll out new ideas in that self-contained hub. Yeah. If it works, great. You can roll it out to the broader org, right. and you minimize your risk. If you know, it doesn't, you can quickly throw that out, and yep. it didn't just disrupt the whole program. It's, uh, in, in, our, in our parlance, it's, it's a sandbox or a detonation chamber is what you're describing, exactly. right? Like, we've got this thing. We don't know if it's going to be good or bad. Let's run it over here in this very contained environment. Yes. Then if it explodes, it only affects this contained environment. And if it Same doesn't explode, concept hey, in marketing. we can yep. deploy, right? It's just a detonation chamber. It's common sense stuff, yeah. but I would say those are the two uh, differences between early stage and Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stage. I like that. And, and, you know, and territory starts to matter and jurisdiction starts to matter. And territory is maybe not even a fair word. Like I'm a big believer in the single biggest enemy of scale is variability. Yes, yes, yes. I will go with that. I will absolutely go with <laughs> I that. I will finish your sentence now. Yes, yes, yes. I like that one. Um, but where I was actually headed was the single biggest enemy of um, progress as an organization is ego. Ego, yeah. And, and ego and territory, to me, go together. Yes. But there's still jurisdiction that has to be considered, right? Even if nobody involved is egotistical and even if nobody involved is territorial, you still have to respect when you're making a decision that's going to directly influence something else somebody else is measured by. Right. Right. Like you and the CRO have to be pretty simpatico, know where the BDRs reside, know who's responsible for them, know what their KPIs are. Like you can't, as marketing, just suddenly declare everything the BDRs have been doing this week is wrong. And we got a whole new message and a whole new campaign and a whole new like you're going to disrupt his metrics if you just suddenly midstream blast something out there. Right. It's right. That, that kind of story. Right. Sure. Yeah. And, and it's the same thing for CISOs like, oh, especially with CISOs and CIOs. Right. Like if I just suddenly pronounce an edict that's going to impact every endpoint in the shop. Well, who's in charge of all those endpoints? It sure isn't me. Right. Yeah. CIO is going to be like, what? So uh, I think ego and territorialism can be factors in all of that. And I, you know, at the smaller scale to me, and this is my, and I love small too. Like I've, I've, you know, I'm the same in the same boat. You know, I got plenty of shout outs I could give to my, my small company homies out there. Um, but I think there was much less of that sort of jurisdictional dispute even in the smaller yeah. scales. It seems like everybody really, I mean, to give you some perspective, when I was at Trustmap, um, there was an exit of a marketing leader. And at the time I was CIO, CTO, and CISO. <laughs> And for five months, I was CMO. <laughs> yeah. Everybody I think it just, could just you roll be up your pure sleeves. exhaustion. Everybody's off the bus, pushing the bus. Yep. Nobody has time to argue about, you know, which swim lane they're in and, Ex exactly. and, and territories. I mean, everybody's just exhausted trying to 
push this freaking bus. Trying to get the bus bus pushed forward. That's 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 it exactly. So all right, so let's get into some other scenarios here. Uh, and pardon me while I look at my notes. This is normally not a video show, so <laughs> feel free to look at yours as well. Normally I'm on audio doing this, and no one knows the secrets. I'm just on Angry Birds over here. There you go. <laughs> All right, so um, let's talk about Gartner and that category design. Uh, we alluded to that in your intro. This idea that you are not just inventing a product, but you are inventing a category. You're going to be up against Gartner. You're going to be up against um, a lot of status quo thinking. Mm -hmm. There's a huge potential for conflict in that whole conversation. Yes. Uh, do you have any killer stories there? <laughs> you know, uh, some stories just you know cannot be uh, cannot be repeated on air. But I can I can share high high level. Okay. First off, you know I'm 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 a big category design nerd. Uh, there's a there's a great book called Play Bigger that really digs deep into this. And I, I think you're seeing a lot of marketing leaders now really lean into this term of category designer. Yeah, um, it's replaced disruptor. <laughs> yeah, it has, it has. But there's there there is a real sort of science behind it. And to your point, it, it's not always like sometimes you, what your company is doing simply is not a disruptor. Yeah. Uh, simply is not creating a new category. Yeah. And you should really think carefully before you take a category design approach. Right. Because it could go wrong. Right. I think, I think one of the presenters here this week, that's their entire session, yeah. is uh, sort of figuring that out, what's right for your company. Are, are you but, really a category designer? Yeah. Yeah. But what excites me is is that, and even if even if you're not building out a new category, you can still implement aspects of category design. Sort of what, what I always think about is not evangelizing better, yeah. but evangelizing different. Yeah, okay. Not attacking competitors, yeah. but attacking the problem. Right. How do we get away from me making messaging and yeah. actually having a point of view? Right. These are some real foundational pieces of category design. Yeah, and yeah, I think yeah. we can agree whether you're creating a new category or not, those can still apply. Sure, sure. Now, with, with my background, it's kind of interesting. You, you mentioned Gartner. I've got a couple different experiences with that. The first sort of exposure I ever had to analyst relations was at Securonics. Okay. And that was during a time where Securonics really was pioneering this very new category of user and entity behavior analytics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next-gen UEBA, SIM. baby. Yep. And I was super just fortunate to learn from my boss then, the CMO, Sharon Vardy, who really took me under his wing and kind of taught me the, the soft hand approach to analyst relations. How do you educate the analysts and also collaborate with analysts? Right. And so that very much wasn't coming from a place of conflict or tension. Yeah, I saw yeah, how, yeah. how smooth it could be yeah. and everything just sort of worked. Now, when I joined Veridin, you know, I maybe had unrealistic expectations because going into AR... Didn't realize you were spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> going into AR and working with analysts and, and really creating a new category from scratch, we did not see eye to eye. Right. Uh, in, in this case, this was around the, the category of breach and attack simulation. Mm -hmm. We really did not like that term. Sure. So we really want to emphasize the business value of security validation versus simply simulating various right. attacks. Right. We really wanted to take a, a, a business 
uh, angle to this, mm -hmm. understanding the efficacy of your of your security investments across people, process, technology. Mm -hmm. And we didn't want it to be sort of limited to the scope of just simulating a bunch of attacks on your in your environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you, you so were doing we, something much more strategic yes, than that. Yes, yes. So conflict is, did arise there because from my perspective, you know, yeah, perfect is, enemy, is the enemy of good. We all know yeah. that. And I think there were some missed opportunities and I kind of butted heads with a couple of uh, the folks there because I wanted that publicity. I wanted to be at least included in, in the right. analyst reports. It, I wanted at least to have, have your name on their lips. Have our name out there. But we actually made the conscious decision to sort of step away from, from that conversation until we felt that, you know, uh, the analysts were ready to come to us. <laughs> now, so very, very different approach. Right, um, right. And, you know, in retrospect, um, I think it may have worked, but certainly at that time, there was a lot of conflict. Yeah. And, you know, there was a lot of mutual respect. The founders and I really respected each other, and we had those conversations, and we ultimately accepted the risk and, and took that risk. So now... So, so even though you disagreed... You ultimately like stated your disagreement, but then got in line with the, with the company position and stuck with it. And, Absolutely, and there, there's it there. there's still a chain of command, and as long, and you know you you have to uh, look. If if you hire a CMO, you don't you don't hire somebody just to fall in line, right? right? Well, that, but, let's let's say that's true of all C-suite roles, right? Exactly. The idea is you want to, you want a yeah. thinker, <laughs> exactly. So so I, I I lean into a healthy conflict. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. In fact, I'd be very concerned if somebody wasn't standing up in, in the meeting and disagreeing. If, right. You know, in my family, my, my mom's the oldest of 12, you know, okay. Irish Catholic. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, every yeah, family yeah. reunion, we're just basically yelling at each other, you know, and that's sort of our, our love language. Well, there you go. So I'm very comfortable in that, in that environment. But you have to approach it from a place of respect. And uh, ultimately, I was outvoted. And... Yeah. Um, and so we did see some short-term pain from that. Yeah. In fact, I remember the CRO still to this day calling me up and saying, hey, why aren't we in this analyst report? Or, you know, SC Magazine just did an evaluation of all the BAS solutions. We're not in there. What's going on? And I had to explain, again, going back to the expectations right. that were set. We determined as a collective. And we determined as a collective. Exactly. We are not BAS. And again, you know, in retrospect, that, you know, Verdon had an excellent exit. So you could say that it was the right approach. Yeah, yeah. Now here at Sempris, you know, I think we're, we're kind of back to that really collaborative. Well, this is unique. At Sempris, this is a very, very unique situation because I truly feel like the analysts are really embracing us and looking at Sempris as an authority of identity threat detection and response, ITDR, category that we're in. So we're really enjoying this relationship. And at this stage, some of the analysts that I've been working with for almost, you know, a decade yeah. have now become, you know, friends. Right. So it's a completely different dynamic and I've right. experienced this. This is part of Sharon's magic back when, right? Absolutely. And I still work with Sharon. Now, yeah, now Sharon awesome. is he's, our, he's, a, he's a friend of the show for sure. Now Sharon is our COO. So, so yeah, I definitely saw that analyst relations okay. role from a different okay. bunch of different angles. So, so CMOs and CROs, you mentioned the CRO calling and going, Hey, where's the, you know, yeah. Um, that's my imitation of a CRO. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's pretty good. Um, is that, does yeah, that sound yeah. accurate? So uh, I bring this up because I think, you know, and, and your world's a little different from mine, so I'm, I'm, part of this is projection and guessing, but I suspect CMOs and CROs are going to butt heads on occasion. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, again, I feel like I'm pretty fortunate because I, 
I become best friends with, our, with, with my CROs, usually. And I, I really make an effort to see them in person mm-hmm. at least once a quarter. We lock ourselves in a room, six pack of beers and whiteboard and some, some dry erase markers. There you go. And even if we only talk go to market for an hour, uh, we're still with each other, bonding, building trust. Yes. And trust is so important and credibility is so important. Yes. So we recently had a new CRO come on about six months ago at Semperis, and I've really enjoyed that relationship. His name's Mike. And right away, I feel like there was the respect and credibility because nice. we just put it all on the table and we checked our egos at the door. Nice. So and we're, we're uh, back to loss of ego is, 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 yes. is a good precursor here. And I'm having trouble recording a good show on conflict with you because you seem to be getting in front of the conflicts before they even happen. <laughs> you're doing all the right things. You're talking about partnership. You're talking about authenticity. You're talking about bonding. You're talking about, you know, reaching commonality of purpose, right? Like you're getting in front of the conflicts before the conflicts even occur. Try to. Try to. Yeah, yeah fair enough. Yeah, I guess sure. I guess here and there things are still going to come up, right? Sure. There are still um, plenty of scars. But. Yeah, so so like um, I'm trying to think of a good example here. Um, I'm going through my notes of some of the stuff I've, I, I kind of came up with. Oh, who should follow up on inbound leads? Should that be... Okay. The sales yeah, so guys, was, or should that be BDRs, and should the BDRs report to the CRO or the CMO? Yeah. So this has been we're we're at a marketing summit, so this has been quite a topic of discussion for all the uh, the CISOs listening. Uh, BDR or SDR, they're the folks who are uh, <laughs> harassing <laughs> us on LinkedIn, harassing you on LinkedIn, <laughs> uh, you know, calling your phone, and uh, uh, but so you know we at Sempris. The entire SDR organization rolls up into marketing. It didn't always, it wasn't always that way. Uh, I'm a big advocate uh, of having that reporting structure for multiple reasons. But yeah, one of, one of the, uh, talk about conflict, one of the, in the early days, mm-hmm. of course, an inbound lead is like gold. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's uh, and, after it finally became real. And uh, exactly. And now everyone and, wants it because that's commission. Right. And so the, uh, the enterprise sellers did not want these inbound leads going to the SDRs. Yeah, um, because it makes sense. The logic makes sense. Uh, you know, the SDRs, many of them have not been in the industry, mm-hmm. um, do not actually know these customers. Haven't as been well. to that customer's office. Yeah, exactly. Sure, sure. So the enterprise sales reps said, "Hey, no, I want to give the white glove treatment. I want to follow up directly with these inbounds." Checks and out and get some commission. Yeah, you get some commission. <laughs> now I pushed back on that, but my argument was that, well, you know, yes. Perhaps if you can get in touch with this prospect, you're going to have maybe a more effective meeting. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the challenge is getting in touch with that prospect. Right. An inbound lead doesn't mean that the meeting's automatically set. Right. right? And, in many and cases, having a sales it, guy immediately be the follow-up is going to make me yes. run. In many cases, it takes six to 12 outreaches to, to yeah. get that person scheduled for, for a meeting. I can't think of a busier position than a CISO. It takes a while. So that was a quick pivot when we realized that, well, we were getting a lot of inbounds, but the discovery calls aren't being set. Yeah. Right. And um, so it, it, it took, this is a case where it took a fail, and luckily we failed fast, to learn and pivot. And now we've set that policy. Yeah. We now have 20 plus BDRs globally all following up with the inbound leads, nice. and that's a well-oiled nice. machine. Nice. Okay. We're getting towards the end of the show, so I'm going to ask you this um, in terms of leadership style. 
I want you to define your leadership style for me, but I also want you to tie it to this thread of how does it help you settle conflicts? How does it help you prevent conflicts? Okay. So what's your leadership style? Let's start there. I'm going to guess knowing you, uh, probably pretty human, probably pretty authentic. I get that. Yeah. So had a, had a panel session today. A few people came up to me and, and said, yeah, you, you just come off very authentic. Um, and, uh, I, 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 I hadn't spent a lot of time, honestly, thinking like, what is my management style? Okay. But I, I guess that would be it. And okay. I, I just try to be authentic with, with all of my team members. And I take that approach to leadership and I take that approach to conflict resolution as well. Okay. Like you, I, I'm a straight shooter. And I think that's important. It's important to build trust fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and credibility fast as well. Yeah, I like so how, it. So how it goes into to avoiding conflicts and how it goes into approaching conflicts you know, what you see is what you get. I'm yeah. not going to like sit on my hands. I'm not going to hold my opinion to myself. Yeah. If I have an opinion, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you. Yep. And hopefully that saves a lot of time, especially in the early days. Yeah. I like that. I like that. And it's, it's true. It's much easier. The picture being the person on the other end of that, it's a lot easier to get into a conflict with that guy you don't know much about, with that guy you don't trust, with that guy that you suspect, with that guy that you hate and all the character traits you describe sort of are the opposite of that. Yeah. You know, there are a couple of core principles in every marketing meeting that we have that I, that I always end the, the meeting with. Mm -hmm. And there are sort of guiding principles of, you know, how I expect the team to, to sort of operate. And it was, they've been the same principles since we had a team of five all the way to over 40. And it's things like perfection is the enemy of good. Yeah. Um, don't be boring. Some right. kind of more fun. One, though, that I think is probably most important is always assume conflict is collaboration. Nice. That's a great one. I always assume conflict is collaboration. Always yeah. assume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like my wife's always saying whenever we get into button heads, like the idea is it's you and us versus the problem, not you versus me. Yes. You know, like you, you and me Very versus well the problem, not, not you and me versus each other. Well, Tom LaDuke, CMO at Sempris, thank you so much for coming down to the ranch, man. This was good. Thanks, Alan. Live at Cyber Marketing Conference in Austin 2023. Love it. All right. Thanks so much, man. Thank you.